Welcome to the PEBC Podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I am the host of our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work connects with the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we will explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment all cultivate student agency, equity, and understanding across the curriculum and grade levels. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together provided inspiration and information. Our nonprofit is able to provide free content for educators because of support from generous donors. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or make a donation, please visit our website at pebc.org. The PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Phenomenal Teaching by Wendy Ward-Hoffer. We offer customized virtual and on-site professional development, coaching, institutes, and courses. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. It is a great honor to welcome back PEBC's Director of Leadership, Scott Murphy. Scott is a dynamic facilitator who is infamous for bringing groups together and supporting the hard work of true collaboration in which all voices and perspectives are honored. As school leaders grapple with the many challenges related to leading schools during this time, the need for staff meetings, PLCs, and professional learning remains constant. Today, Scott is joining us to talk about the importance of facilitation and how teachers and leaders can craft high-quality virtual and socially distanced engagements for their colleagues. For those of you who don't know Scott, he is well known for his blogs about leadership and facilitation, his development of the Futures Protocol, and his dynamic seminars and institutes. When Scott is not working in schools, you might find him rock climbing, cycling, playing his guitar, or out working in his garden. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much. So Scott, I know that you have been working with principals all around the state of Colorado, and in fact, all around the country in the last couple of weeks. So when it comes to group interaction and development for adults in schools, what are you noticing? I, I, I'm noticing we're getting a little bit of traction from where we were at the beginning of the year. And I think the awareness of what we're facilitating and the quality in which we are facilitating is, is getting better. Um, and I, if I just turn back the clock a little bit, at the beginning of the year, it was so managerial. It was so logistic laden. It was so much information unilaterally being imparted to people. And then the recognition was that's important, but it's not helping our culture. It's not helping our community. It's actually maybe working against ultimately what we want to achieve. Um, but the other piece was, I think there was not a real understanding of the use of the tools. So the resources of Zoom, the resources of Google Breakouts and Google uh, Meets and things like that, um, I don't think we understood that that could be really manipulated for the things that we know are valuable around community and culture. So as you ask the question for today and now, um, greater recognition. People are more skillful with the tools. They're getting better with the tools. They're thinking more about the broader perspective of not just information giving, but also culture creating. 
Wow, that's interesting to think about that trajectory, because I think it in some ways mirrors what we're seeing in classrooms with teachers Mm -hmm. as well. And it just really makes me think about balance and how our school leaders are really trying to balance and tend to the needs of their staff members, social and emotional needs, um, their need for professional learning and kind of honing their craft, and then also simply disseminating information that is, you know, changing all the time. Um, So when we think about all three of those, the social and emotional, the community needs, Mm -hmm. uh, the learning and the kind of opportunity to disseminate information with limited time and limited face-to-face <laughs> contact. Yeah. How, how are school leaders tending to all three of those? Oh my gosh, how do we do that? That's a great question. Um, as best we can. I think one of the things that I'm noticing that, that seems to be most beneficial is to kind of think in terms of buckets. And as you name the, almost those three, the reality of those three being synthesized and brought together in like an, a 45-minute really good staff meeting is really challenging right now. And so what I'm finding is people are kind of bucketing things. And so leaders are finding multiple pathways to get the informational sort of things disseminated, as you say. So maybe a Monday email, maybe a Friday letter to folks with it, with a pattern being a known thing that I need to check my email on Mondays, or I need to check my email on Fridays. Cause that's the informational stuff coming my way. Um, I also noticed that PD is actually being disseminated amongst many more people done in small teams done with support groups like a PEBC or something like that done in grade level groups. And the PD isn't as much full staff as we might've once had. It's, it's, it's kind of broken into those smaller spaces. So that leaves us in the SEL community world of when we do bring people together and maybe we do need to do a little information and we pocket that or bucket that in a small space, we're using the tool in really more meaningful ways with breakouts, with groundings, with meaningful questions, with use of the screen as a whole to see all faces and not just jump right to the PowerPoint. There's a greater awareness, I think, being held by leaders and facilitators that we have to hold the community together at a time that we are so isolated and so sort of in crises um, that we have to address it. And so I'm noticing leaders and, and facilitators are being more crafty with the tools that they're using and the ways that they're using them. Well, that's interesting. And then again, another parallel to what we know about best practice, particularly working with classrooms and working with students. I think we all know and believe that relationships and community are really the bedrock of instruction and learning. And it seems like from what you're noticing, that it's also the bedrock of healthy school communities for the adults within the building. I think so, yes. So, you know, I think everyone listening is probably wondering how, Scott, how do you craft a 45 minute? Let's just take that example. How would you craft a meaningful engagement? Do you want to walk us through maybe an example or something that you've planned recently and kind of help us think about those three buckets, where they would sit? And then what are some of the moves you might make or the tools you might use in order to maximize that time together? Absolutely. And so, I'm, I'm, uh, Michelle, I'll just say uh, there's 
what I think is kind of exciting about this is whether it be 45 minutes, hour and a half, you know, whatever short period or long period, a half day, the framework I really believe is the same. And so I, I would describe it as this. Um, we're going to start with the grounding. We're going to start every engagement with a grounding. And a grounding is that opening space that brings all voices into the mix. That's, that's one of the core tenets, all voices into the mix. When it's in the virtual arena, all faces are on the screen. We don't do a grounding by staring at a PowerPoint. We do a grounding by staring at each other's eyes and faces and the relationships that we've already held are in front of us. So a grounding can be a single question. It can be an image that we talk to, but the most important thing about a grounding is all of the voices get to enter in. So in very practical terms, we might use a chat bar. That can be all voices in with a question that everyone uh, speaks to. I like to do very quick paired breakouts. Zoom is the platform that I use most of the time. I know breakout groups are now available kind of in a Google platform as well, but I'll just do a four minute breakout in which if you and I were paired, we'd get four minutes to talk to maybe hopes and fears. Maybe we're talking to a question that leads to the work that we're gonna do that day. But the bottom line is I've entered into that space as a human being, as a voice, as an intellectual creature, as someone who has value. Therefore, all the content, whether it be informational or otherwise, that's on the back end of that means that I'm present for it. I haven't been left behind as just a vassal to be filled, but someone that is actually part of a community. So everyone begins with the grounding. For me, the following steps outside of the grounding is then to set context for the work. So before doing the work, why are we doing the work? Why are we here today? And, and making sure that I connect that to the experiences that I'm sharing as a leader with the people. So if I'm in, in virtual classrooms or I've been in conversation with folks or with teams, anything that we do today is in response and recognition of what is going on around us. So I want people to recognize that we have content that is based on their lived experiences. So we connect those dots. Even if it's something the district says we have to do, I'm going to connect it to a dot that is part of our present um, sort of work. So context, connecting the content. From there, it's really just saying, hey, you guys, this is what we're up to today. This is going to be the work that we're going to do today. Here's why we're doing it. And here's the outcomes that I'm hoping for. So I think people who use learning targets, outcomes, it's good to have a slide that contains those. So now we're prepped for the work. We then head into the workshop. You know, I'm looking at you and thinking, workshop, workshop, workshop. That's it. We do, we, do, we do that. Absolutely, right? The living and breathing it. So we jump into the workshop, and the workshop's going to maybe have some front-end content. It might be now a good time to share some slides. That might be a great time to have a, a text that we look at and read because we want to chew on something. We want it to be an intellectual endeavor um, as well as a, as a collaborative endeavor. So the front end of the workshop is going to have some content, maybe some direct instruction, maybe a piece of text that connects to the work that we're doing. From there, I'm a big proponent of now people need to talk in groups. And so I leverage those Zoom breakout groups for, I would say, about 40 to 50% of the time that we are together. That small group in interaction, small group discussion it's where our voices are. It's where we make greatest meaning. It's where we develop our community and keep the relationships intact. 
It's where we um, are most invested because we're not watching one person speak to 40 or 50. So we go to breakout rooms. And what I'm noticing now that's really powerful is if I pair that with a Google slide deck or a Google doc, we can actually produce material in those groups. So we can be product oriented. We don't just have to talk, so to speak. We can create product while we're involved in that. Go, go for it. Go for it. What are you thinking? I have a question for you. I, yeah. I, I, all of a sudden I was like, what? hold on, hold the phone. So you have set up this beautiful beginning for a group to come together. And then you dive into the workshop model with some, like you said, some content or some information or slides or text. Now we're in that time for working together. And I, I just have to pause when you mentioned we can work collaboratively during this time. Slow us down a little bit. What does that look like and sound like? You sent folks off to breakout groups and then have you dropped like a link in the chat to either a Google Doc or a Google Slideshow and then those groups are contributing their thinking to those shared documents simultaneously? Spot on, Michelle. So there's if, if we get a little nuanced here, when we go to breakout rooms, I think the failure sometimes is we just say, hey, you guys, here's a question. Go talk. Okay. And I think that's why you're slowing me down a little bit. A couple of things happen. One is as a facilitator, I am giving them some think time before they go to the breakouts. So I might pose a question or I might talk about a task, but before we go, we're going to get a link in the chat bar. We're going to open up that link and I'm going to share it on the screen so everyone sees it, sort of knows where we're headed. I'm going to look at the faces and I'm going to say, hey, thumbs up. Did everyone get into that link? I would explain and check out and see if there's any questions about what they're crafting in there. We would even say, who's going to facilitate in your small group to collaborate? Well, let's have one person facilitate that. Make sure all voices are in the mix. Who's going to be the typist? Okay. You guys feel like you're ready to go? That also affords me, Michelle, the opportunity to set my breakout group up while they're thinking or maybe even doing a little pre-writing or pre-reading. I'm able to set my breakout groups up. I'm able to get the times aligned with how much I want in there, make sure the groups look good to me. So I'm buying myself facilitator time while they're prepping their engagement for that. Then I hit the button. Then they're in there. Then they're using those Google Slides or Google Docs simultaneously. So yeah, there's a there's that preparation and expectation for them for the collaboration. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you for slowing down and talking us through the steps because I just did not want to miss any of those details. I know I kind of interrupted you when we're talking about the flow. So we've had our opening, we've had this kind of workshop where we've had some content. Now we've had a little bit of independent think time. You've released us into groups. We have some time for conversation and time for collaboration. And what happens? So let's say, let's say that's somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, right? Like if, if we're at a 45 minute, that's about 15 to 20 minutes, a good chunk of time for it to be substantial. Um, I, as a facilitator, am going into those rooms um, and just checking in, just taking a look at the documents they're doing, seeing if there's any questions to be fielded. I come in very gently, though. I don't look to interrupt anything or insert myself. I just come in as if I'm sitting down at a table next to a group of people doing work. If there's nothing to see or say, I'm just going to exit very, very smoothly and easily and just kind of make my way around. 
So when it comes to the back end, I want to make sure that we bring closure to that, but we can't extend that time too much. So usually I'm going to ask the facilitator or one person from a group, hey, what was a highlight from your, from your group? And if we had five groups, we can do that pretty quickly, maybe in three or four minutes. Um, if we have way more groups, I might bring something back to the chat bar and ask them, uh, what was the most emergent uh, learning from your group? I'd love you to just add to the chat bar and kind of share with your peers. So I want to make sure that there's closure to that time that was spent in breakout groups, but I don't want it to be just one voice speaking to all for a long period of time. That's just not, that's not good engagement. Um, and then once we kind of bring that, then it's going to lead to closure. And a closure piece is going to be bookended. I want to make sure we always finish on a reflection or closure that bookends where we started. So we've done the content, the workshop. And I'm just going to name one, Michelle, that has been really, I'll say effective for us in the last, in, in, in the last few months. And it is a fact that we are so incredibly isolated from one another. Our lunchrooms are not the same spaces. Our, our teacher workrooms are not the same spaces. We're not in the halls passing by each other. We are isolated. So what I ask people to do is I say, look at the screen. Let's pause for a little bit. And when you look at the faces on this screen, what do you see? And I'll tell you what it is. It has... It's not contrived in any way. It truly is meant to harness community. As you had asked the question, how do we make sure that we're working on community simultaneous to the content, the PD, the information? That's a technique. Look at each other's faces. Look at each other's eyes. What do you see? And you can, no surprise, Michelle, down the column, perseverance, courage, friendship, um, teachers, skill, community, family. Uh, it, 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 then you look at those words and all of a sudden you can feel that emotionally and all of the things that have been such a struggle and strife begin to help you recognize I'm still in it with the people I love and care about. If you can end a meeting that way, <laughs> hallelujah, right? You, you're doing the good facilitation. Wow. That is so powerful, so impactful and such a salient reminder of the importance of human connection just looking at colleagues, looking at teammates. And I love the way that you lifted and, and said, you know, what do you see? And then dropping Simple. those really powerful terms in the chat. Simple questions beget some pretty deep and rich answers sometimes. Hmm. So we were thinking about, you know, kind of this idea of, of facilitating in a virtual space and, school leaders and facilitators either feeling more or less comfortable with the technology. How might someone build their efficacy with some of these tools? I guess two things come to mind, Michelle. First is start in your, I don't want to say real world, we'll call it in-person world, whatever, whatever the other world that is. Um, go back. Mm -hmm. Go back to when you ran a really good team meeting. Go back to when you ran a really good staff meeting. What were the tenets of that? What were the interactions of that? It's a good starting place. I think mm -hmm. also go back to your mission and values and belief systems and your vision for the school. We don't need to vacate it just because we're using a different platform or tool. When we bring to get people together, we are still in time and space. That's no different in a library 
than it is in a Zoom platform or a Google platform. It is time and space. So the moment we vacate the idea that we're going to Zoom now, or we're going to Google this afternoon and basically return to, we are going to come together as a community of learners and peers. I'm thinking differently already. And I'm going back to things Mm. that I know and understand. After that, I think is be a risk taker. I mean, I, Michelle, I, I, and you, you and I have experienced this together. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this tool as if it's taffy as far as I can <laughs> and, it, and, and stretch it as far as it can until it either snaps or, or whatever. But take all those good protocols, take all those good things that we've done before and give them a go. Give them a go and, and try something out because you know it worked really well in the real sort of uh, in-person world. Try it in this world. and 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 tell people that you're going to be a little vulnerable, but we know this is really important. So it's the value piece. It's connecting to what we already know about in-person, not being hostage to the tool, but actually being the manipulator of the tool. Wow, that is really powerful. And that just builds my own agency and efficacy (laughs) as a facilitator. I mean, that idea of tapping into what do I know already? How, how, How have I honed this craft, if you will? Yeah. In other experiences where I felt more comfortable. What is this particular engagement mostly about? What's my purpose? Really being purpose-focused, purpose-driven. And then thinking about what are some of those structures or moves in the past that have really generated great collaboration, great conversation, great discourse. And then it's this idea of risk-taking. And trying to utilize the tools that we do have at our disposal to meet those goals and outcomes. Agreed, Michelle. And what stood out for me is you said that back to me. It reminded me of a conversation I had with somebody about traveling to a foreign land and attempting Mm -hmm. the language. And if you go to, I'm thinking like Costa Rica or something like that, if you go and attempt the language the response from the people on the other side is so much greater than if you assume they're going to speak English. And I think in some ways it kind of parallels here. If we're attempting to come across and do the good work for them and bring them meaningful interactions and not just disseminate information with a PowerPoint, we'll get empathy. We'll get understanding. We can trip up, but we're also modeling as leaders, please do this in your classrooms. Please take risks in your classrooms. Please stretch the platform for the best of engagements that you know kids need there. So we become models then as well, right? We become the models of vulnerability and risk-taking as well. Mm -hmm. So again, there's another kind of nod to parallel pedagogy, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That our engagements with the adults in the building should be or can be models for our work with the students in the building, particularly in a virtual space? Learners are learners. (laughs) It doesn't matter whether they're 5, 50, 12, 70, doesn't matter. Learners are learners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thinking about that idea of facilitating learners, Mm -hmm. it, it could be a little bit of a paradigm shift or maybe a gentle reminder because we have been spending energy in so many new and different directions. One more question. You know, I'm thinking about um, you've been facilitating a lot, probably almost every day for you know eight Pretty months. 
<laughs> in this disrupted space. We know that there are teachers who have been directly impacted by COVID-19 and the pandemic. We know there are teachers who have been directly impacted by social unrest. We also know that there have been a number of natural disasters within our country in the last couple of weeks and months. We've also had a very, and we're still in the midst of a very tenuous election season. When we think about facilitating or being you know, school leaders, if I'm leading a PLC, if I'm leading my grade level team, if I'm leading my whole staff, how can I really be responsive to the people I'm serving and also maintain kind of the business and the workings of a school? Phenomenal question. And we figure this out. We continue to lead communities, right? Um, I think it begins with our eyes and ears that precede anything that we bring people together. We we have to make sure that our eyes and ears are capturing the people who are involved in the work, their daily lives, the context in which they are living, which is a context of crisis. We can't avoid that. We, we, we have to give it a name. If we, if, we, if we avoid that and get into this positivity of this is a great opportunity, this is, this is going to be really good, it's, it's going to work to our advantage. In ignorance of the true struggle and strife people are going through, um, it'll actually work against us. And so it begins before we design anything to have great empathy and compassion and understanding of the people for whom we are charged to support. With that, we then become designers that we know we have content, but the access to that content is saying to people, I see you and I hear you. And that shows up in our grounding we don't have to speak to them. We don't have to tell them how much we love them. That's important, but we don't have to be unilateral. We need to give them opportunities to speak and think and hear from each other as well. That's probably even more important. And so we crafted in the, in the beginning, we give questions that are not just content questions or images that are not just content images. We get them to look in the mirror and think about their lives. We give them opportunities to look across the mirror through a window at their peers. We give them opportunities maybe to be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling or I'm suffering. We treat them as human beings. That tills the fertile soil to then say, we are also still teachers and professionals in a very challenging environment. Let's do the work together because I see you as a, as a human being. So it's, it's, it, it's incorporated into the design of the work we do, not as fluff. And I'm not even going to say it's not as soft skills. This is not soft stuff. This is the human work of accessing people's hearts and minds so that we can do the real hard work of teaching kids in this current iteration of education. Wow, Scott, that was amazing. Hmm. I know it's about time for us to wrap up our conversation and you've given us so much to think about you know, thinking that it's November and we still have a handful of months left in the school year. What are your hopes for the 2021 school year? Um, it, it's paired with fears, honestly, Michelle. That kind of lives in the, in the, your question was just, it, it hit me, it was spot on for, for my thinking. We exist in this room right now 
and we want to be in a different room. <laughs> we see this little crack of light at the door and we're like, I want to be there. I wish we could be there. But the thing is, we can't wish our way through this. We can't imagine ourselves to the next place. We have to exist in this room, this space now. So the hope is we are able to strengthen our community. The hope is we leverage our relationships. The hope is that while we stumble around in the dark, we discover the things that will make us even better in the light. Scott, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for this.